0: All right, you guys. Today we have Ed Lattimore on the pod. Welcome back to the Very Best Self podcast. It's me, it's your girl, it's Victoria Brown. So Ed is a former heavyweight boxer. Okay. That's number one. Okay. That's like a the big, maybe that's like the big call out. It depends on who you are, right? Um, but this guy is one of the most impressive multi-faceted human beings that I've ever had the pleasure to have a conversation with. So not only is he a heavyweight boxer or was, uh, he also has a degree in physics. Yes, you heard me right, physics. He has written three books and he uh, is... Like big into the chess circuit. He plays a lot of chess as well. Um, Very, very impressive guy uh, who happened to also grow up in the projects in Pittsburgh. So talk about somebody who has made big things happen in their lives, their life, uh, despite you know, how they grew up or despite the situation that they were born into. And I think it's a powerful episode because there are so many people in the world. And maybe, maybe it's you, maybe it's you listening right now who feel like they're kind of stuck and they want to do the next thing, or they're not sure which way to go or what, what to do next. Um, but it is an inspiring story to hear someone who was raised and grew up in such extreme conditions to, to completely find their way out and make so much of themselves and just accomplish so, so, so much. Right. He was not someone who was born into privilege. And, you know, there's a conversation that we have in the episode about how, you know, he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth or even just like a regular spoon. Right. Um, And so he worked really hard to, to make everything happen that he did. And and he's like the king of getting unstuck, if you ask me. And I just, I know I say this almost every episode, but to be completely, utterly honest, I was beyond beside myself excited to just get on here and chat with him and like get to know who he is as a person and to share his story uh, with anybody out there who feels like they're stuck um, because this guy is the king of getting unstuck and creating um different lives for himself in the same within the same life. And I think that's pretty neat and pretty cool. And I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. All right. All right. We've got Ed Lattimore here. And I mean, Ed, I told you pre-show, I'm really hype about this episode. I'm excited about this episode. Just the research that I've done about who you are as a human being, like you inspire me, you impress me. Um, And I'm super pumped to have this conversation and to have you on the pod today. So thanks for being here.
1: I have no problem being here. I just hope I am an entertaining and informative guest and that people get something out of hearing me ramble.
0: I know, right? <laughs> like, no pressure. The, the intro I just gave you. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me, I think, is it. All the you your accolades and things you've accomplished are no doubt inspiring, but the thing that inspires me the most about you and what I see from everything I've gathered about you is that you have been able to accomplish everything that you have against some would say all odds um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well well
1: i never I never think of it that way though though when I step out objectively, I can see. How that is a very uh, good, good, good uh, story or good selling point for everything, again, uh, kind of against all odds and all that. But, but part of me looks at it and I go, if if I didn't do it that way, I don't know if I would be me now. I like, path dependency is a really interesting idea to me because you know. We're we're always trying to become successful, right? We're trying to achieve something. And I really think how you get there matters a lot. Now, uh, the most obvious example of someone steals something versus acquires it, even though they have it in their possession, uh, those two paths are very different and require different things and have different consequences and outcomes. But even more subtly, you know, if, if I was born with, like, not even a silver spoon, but just like a regular spoon, you know, in my mouth. And I had some some normal opportunities. Perhaps I take them. Perhaps I become, uh, really interested in some paths that divert me. I don't, I don't, you know, take my training as seriously. I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday. Oh, I know. Oh, right, a buddy of mine was in from New York, and we were having a uh, breakfast. And I said to him about chess. I said, you know, I had a lot of resentment for a while growing up because my mom never had the, the wherewithal time or money to do anything like put me in a basic chess lesson. And, and I would have loved to do it. Cause I like, I love the game. It's a really important part of who I am now. And I put us put a lot of time studying it. And I, I feel like I'd be better right at chess. But imagine if I was like really talented at chess, I might never step foot in the boxing ring. And then I'll be some type of out of shape guy or like like a regular person as opposed to you know who i am who is someone that takes like fitness and conditioning really seriously and and there are people who want to have conversations with me because i fought you know and so yeah it, it would be it would be nice to to have had more opportunity and not have it against having been against all these odds. And not just my childhood and, you know, my, my young adulthood and, and some of the things I've accomplished there, but the path, I, I, I'm a big fan of the path. Um, and, and what it's done for me and what it's set me up to have to overcome on the way.
0: hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I feel like, I'm the same way though. I feel like I every single thing I've ever experienced up until now, good, bad, and indifferent, like all of it has made me exactly who I am today. And so, like I, I would never look back and want to change any of it. And I totally see you. Like you ran it back in your mind. You're like, okay, well, if this didn't happen, then maybe I wouldn't have ended up here or done this X, Y, or Z. Um, I think there's a famous Steve Jobs quote that I've talked about on here probably before, maybe not, but uh, the pat you only connect the dots looking backwards. Right. You don't connect the dots.
1: That's <laughs> <for us. laughs> because look, look right? because I think about you know there, there's a there are these like watershed moments in my life where there's like okay I couldn't imagine my life turning out any different turning out the same way if I didn't do this and there there's some important moments like like I don't know who my friends would be right now if if I hadn't gone to a certain high school and, uh, and because of how close and important those people are in my life and then how the rest of my life would have turned out because I had their families reached out like moments like that. One of the really important ones for me was, was the decision to get sober. And I do this uh, at 28. And I, I just remember trying my best to connect the dots for, but, you but you can't, but all I remember thinking is going, okay. Um, I know that one day, God willing, I'm going to be 33. Five years are going to pass. Am I going to pass with uh, a better position in life or a worse position? And that leads to some changes. But when I make those changes, I'm really just, just stopping where I'm at now. Like I'm trying to leave that. And I have a rough idea of where I'm going to end up. And I hope it is a lot better than where I am now. But we don't know where we don't know and so we do try to connect um but it's only when I look backwards and I go man I did it's a good thing I did that because goodness you know life is really awesome now and and no one ever has to worry about me being a drunk fool or something like that and I can <laughs> can look back it, it, it's funny I I'll, I'll never forget there was this this moment this is when I was like ah I knew I made the right decision and it was like this whole connecting of dots Uh the first time I went to Canada I uh, I actually drove to Canada from from uh my town you're from you're from the northeast so these distances might um be easier for you to reference than the average person i drove from pittsburgh pa to quebec city quebec which is two hours north of montreal that was a 14-hour trip it's a beautiful trip um i don't recommend anyone do it i'm never going to do it again because i don't have to but it's a beautiful trip, but there's the moment when you enter the border or cross the border to enter into Canada, and then you have to show your passport, all that good stuff. And and I show him my passport, and he looks at it, he scans it, and he goes, all right, enjoy Canada, you know, have a good day. And I remember, I was like, wow, it... If I had maybe continued on the path I was going, perhaps I'd do something where they're not letting me into Canada. Because you can't enter Canada if you've got uh, what they consider a felony. And in Canada, DUI is a felony. It's certainly something I would have put myself at risk for. And it's only in certain moments you can just go, wow, okay, I did, I did the right thing, right? But but you you hope it's always the right thing, and you're never you're never sure, and you connect the dots backwards and go, okay, life is good because I stopped X, Y, or Z, or start at X, Y, and Z.
0: Yeah, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. It's like you have these defining moments where you are like, "Oh, I'm here, and I get <laughs> to do this because of the former me made this decision and this choice that brought me to this place." And so, I want to, I want to get to like the begin, start at the beginning of your story, um and kind of talk about, you know, what we led, what we led up to, right? I want to talk about that, but I also want to touch on before we get to the beginning of your story, I want to touch on. Um, the time that's going to pass, because this is something that I also I share with my writers and people, you know, on on the Internet or whatever you what have you. <laughs> uh, a lot of times the time is always going to pass anyway, and people yep. are always going to have opinions. People are going to have something to say, whether you do do something or whether you don't do something. And the time is going to pass no matter what. So what what are we waiting on? who are we waiting on to step into our power or our best selves or our next level or like whatever it is, like the change that we want to make or the change that we want to be like, like, what are we waiting on? You know what I'm saying? Like it's I a... always say that and I think it's a super powerful thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a, there's a lot that goes into it, but a lot of us are, are afraid of not meeting an expectation and that expectation, unfortunately, is or afraid uh, set. of meeting
0: the expectation and not. Oh, that's
1: the other that one too. To yeah, you you, you climb so high, and you're like, well, you got to do what you got to do to stay up here, otherwise, that fall is going to be brutal. Uh, I never really right. believed in the fear of success. I still don't, but I certainly believe in the fear of responsibility, and success tends to come with that. So I think there is, I think there is a a big component of not wanting to to live up to what you become or what you appear to be okay and we also you know there was a there was a meme i posted the other day and it was somebody yelling Somebody clapping and it's somebody right below with their ears closed and then superimposed over. It It was like my Facebook post yelling, my Internet friends clapping. And then people I went to high school with and close friends, they were the ones closing their ears. And and I immediately thought of of the quote from the Bible, you know, no man's a prophet in his own town. A lot, you know, you're never going to be. I I think I'm, I'm one of the coolest people I know. And I know I'm one of the coolest people that most people know. Um, I know this f- objectively and subjectively. And there are still people, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, there are still people from, from who grew up and knew me from, from my childhood and from, you know, we'll call them the dark years that I'm sure we'll get into. And and it is it's hard for them to see this version because this version is not the version they were comfortable with. A lot of people don't want to disrupt that that um status hierarchy and once they do it though man it, you know you're gonna lose a lot of people who are not who were only cool with you when there was a certain old pecking order or they could look at you a certain way when you change that ugh. but but i think that's human nature for for, for um in, in both directions you know you lose friends too when you you lose a lot of stuff or change your status or do something dumb
0: yeah. I mean, and now we're going all over the the map with your, your story here, <laughs> because every time you say something, I'm like, I got to I have something to respond to. But um, it, to jump ahead again, I know that at a certain point, you know, when you turn pro in boxing, uh, you're represented by Rock Nation and Jay-Z. And so one of my favorite, favorite, favorite ever Jay-Z interviews, and I watch it over and I've watched it so many times because I'm so obsessed with it, is like, he said, people look at you like you changed. And you say... Like, I'm doing all this for a reason. Of course I changed.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: I'm supposed to change. We're not supposed to stay the same. Like, when people look at you like you changed, like, yeah, that was the point.
1: And, and it bugs the heck because you got to remember something. Almost every non-intrinsic, well, even intrinsic, most things are are normally distributed, right? Which means there's the majority in the middle, fewer out and even fewer in the outline ranges okay and and the ability you know when you do something to change a lot of that is isn't an is an appetite for risk you don't know what the change is going to bring you know where you're at now is very familiar and predictable and comfortable okay and a lot of people go oh better the devil i know than the devil i don't know when they make the decisions now uh, that's, it. that's not really the case I found, but that, that devil, you know, that devil, you know, is very, uh, you know what you're going to get, even if you don't like what you get. And that's most humans, it's most people, but it, as I learned it in physics, um, uh, most organisms, if not all organisms, seek the most energy efficient configuration by default. That's just a fancy way of saying we take the easy way out. We try to get the most we can for the least amount of effort. OK, when you change you, you flipping out on its head. If I grow up around, if I spend my example, I spend most of my 20s hanging out with people and drinking, being a fool, wasting a lot of time. And and I wake up one day and I go, this cannot persist now i'm fortunate my good friends the ones that i was talking about from high school they were like go for it because we we got a bond that transcends us drinking but there were a lot of people who who you know not at first because i'm not serious i'm just gonna fall off go back and be serious around year two it was amazing how many people fell off from my life uh I had known or I got to know around that time drinking because I think around year two is pretty serious. I'm not going back there. And not only am I not going back there, but look at how my life has gone now. Look at what your life has done. You got to reconcile how I how this is not this decision is bad and you got to look at me. And, and they, they don't think it's bad in the sense that it's bad for my life. They think it's bad uh, in the sense that it highlights inactivity and progress in theirs. All right, so we, mm-hmm. you get to see this and deal with this, and that bugs a lot of people. That that does. I always tell people, man, if you want if to, you want to lose friends quickly, just upset this, the the uh, social hierarchy. People who became friends with you when you were drinking all the time, for example, even if they're not your drinking buddies, they befriended you when you were in a position of vulnerability and coping with trauma. So when you're not doing that anymore, now they got to figure out a new way to relate to you and many of them don't in fact many of them were drawn to you exactly because you were a wounded like duck that they could like feel good around
0: right and that goes for so many different things right not just drinking that's just like people choose to be in your life for you know sometimes reasons that just suit them um yep about who you are. And so keeping that in frame always is important. Um, so let's, let's, let's finally get to the, get to the beginning <laughs> here. Um, cause you're such an impressive guy. Um, and like I was saying, you know, against some pretty, pretty extreme odds, you know, you growing up in the projects and I just want to talk a little bit about your youth and, you know, how you think it made you who you are and some of the things that you went through and, and how you, you know, pivoted.
1: You, you know, I, I put a tweet out the other day in response to somebody. Uh they were talking about how how stress and trauma when you're you're younger can manifest itself in your physical health when you get older. And and I don't know how much I, I buy into that directly, but there is an idea I read that uh this is where the story was is going. It's going somewhere I swear. Uh I read this story that uh you know, when you're exposed to trauma a t- particularly traumatic events uh, before a certain age, it, it like resets your entire way of dealing with the world and, and it pushes it to the extreme. You either become extremely neurotic or like you become like psychopathically calm. Like and, and there's not really a middle ground because they're both coping mechanisms for for a bunch of the nonsense that you dealt with. Uh, so growing up, I, I that got me they got me thinking when I saw that quote. I, you know uh, before I was in uh, fact how old was I? I know my how old my sister was. So so I was like four, not even. I saw a kid get killed, like run over straight up from a, um, I think they were they were running from the cops. Uh, driving away. And the reason why I didn't die is cause my mom like drilled in me, don't cross the street without me. So I didn't do it even though the good time Charlie ice cream truck was over there. That's what we was what he was crossing to go to. Right. So didn't do that. Um and you see that and then you know there's always the the physical abuse at home. Not just and then it was from from both both sides. Uh from my mom and from this guy that was living with us when we were younger it's crazy there and you know there's no you think there's like a reprieve you go to school and you're dealing with the same kind of stuff from other kids who's dealing with the same kind of stuff at home but they take out the violence on you so there's always so there's always this this violence i never got used to this idea of a safe space in my life i had to figure out how to make my own safe calm how to cope with all this uh, whether it be physical and a lot most of it was physical it Was a lot of kids fighting and come home you get your ass kicked at home too didn't matter and then then in the neighborhood because nothing just stayed at school because we all lived in the same neighborhood you're dealing with that uh, then there's the emotional turmoil that goes with that because you know kids are still created with their bullying. Man, it a couple times. My coach shows up on a toilet or something like that in the middle of the cold, the teasing in general, and and then my my mom was a very um, my mom is probably like I said, like I said, you go either way, the extreme. One of the reasons why I'm so I've taken these tests like Big Five man like zero neuroticism like I I'm I'm calm very like just very control your emotions because that was the only way I had, to, I had to figure out how to deal with the a lot of the emotional manipulation I dealt with growing up so it's this whole situation this whole place around me till i'm 14 14 is a really big important time for me all of that it's it's a it's a very cool combination of traits i'm I'm really grateful i have them and i don't know how i would have got them any other way right when we were talking about the path kind of dependence i don't know how i get them but but it but it made me very deliberate and very like like I, i couldn't ever lose control of my emotions so that's something i have and to this day, a general dismissiveness, and then when something roused me up, still having my head about me. Like when people tell me they got so angry they lost control, like I can't relate. I don't even know what that's like right, to get that to just lose control of your emotions. Like maybe when I was younger, I, I did at one point, but I don't. I don't know because I because you pay such a high penalty uh, for it, and that's the biggest like benefit I get. And the more benefit or or if I had less of a if I had if I had weaker morals it would be certainly um a a detriment, right? But that's what it did to me, is it really made me stone cold in the face of things. I didn't worry, I never turned I didn't turn it out. A lot of people do. No, I turned into a guy that that I couldn't show weakness and I couldn't show that things bothered me. And so things stopped bothering me and I stopped feeling weak. And in this regard, I started feeling strong, uh, emotionally learning how to withdraw inside. Cause I'm not naturally extrovert or introverted. I learned how to be right. But I feel feel most comfortable talking and being extroverted, as you can tell from this, just our interaction, that's where I'm. And, and anyone that's like, you know, spent time around right now as an adult knows, um, you probably wouldn't describe me as as an outright extrovert, but definitely not an introvert. You know, um, and these are things that I learned to cope. There's so a bunch of coping mechanisms that ended up being really good for me.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I feel that. So you had the two paths. It's like either you stay calm, or you're the type of person that lashes out, and and you chose your path. But it sounds like there's a difference in like some people would call that bottling up your emotions, right? But it doesn't sound like it's that for you. It sounds like there's a different. It's a stillness within the uh, chaos.
1: Okay, like sure. So, you have this
0: ability <laughs> to go within.
1: Bottling up the emotions. I got to figure out how because you know you we we struggle with these things. No one, all human is perfect. Um, i probably i okay i'll tell you this when i hear news stories about people feeling a certain way um the whole idea of like safe spaces things like that and people worrying about pronouns whatever my first instinct is to be like man up like that's my first instinct but i've learned to temper that um as, as I get older and grow, well, and I try to understand my fellow human, because I, I 100% believe people are the most important thing. And and, I, and my energy, where it takes effort for me, is to go, okay, let me understand this perspective. Because to me, is you just do what you got to do. Right. That's another other thing that came out of that attitude. I never I stopped paying attention to my feelings when I came to what had to be done. I always say right. this, actually. To survive. Yeah. Just survive. I always say, you know, uh, the difficulty of a task is irrelevant if you got to do it. And that's how I think. I understand that not everyone is like me. And it's probably a good thing they aren't like we, <laughs> you know, so I've struggled to to work with that do i feel like i bottle up emotions um i've 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 learned that that's not the best way to to do things and and you know what what, where this comes from too i've i've learned that, that if i bottle up it won't change. And I'm, I'm still, I'm practical above all things. Very pragmatic. (laughs) You'll see when we start talking about, you know, we we start talking about it now, you know, when I, when I turned 14, I ended up going to a different school in a different part of town and a different socioeconomic bracket. I mean, it was very different. It was like the first time I'd seen a two parent household, things like that. I was like, wow, man, people like do this. And this is where
0: everything changed.
1: This is where a lot where of things change. change. Like, like a lot of things change. Uh, like, for example, I don't have any friends from from before the age of fourteen. There's just not. Oh, I don't know what we talk about or what I do. There, there's one guy; his family actually moved away. Uh, that lived down the street from me when I was when I was younger. Uh, we we reconnected a few years ago. He lived to moved to Atlanta, and there's another good friend I had when I was a kid. But and we reconnected. But in terms of like a continual. Timeline? No, nah, I don't. I don't have any of those because uh, I I recognize that there wasn't anything good that was gonna come out of of those associations. You know, so yeah, I get, I get to this new school. I meet these new people and learn this new way of living, <laughs> this new way of, of life. I, I'll never forget, man. I I I asked some kids like I, I was in. I think I would have been fourteen, so ninth grade. I was like how many guys you fight guys have fights you guys have been in like fight we don't fight (laughs) like like a mean like zero none yeah none like who fights like they call police something you know um but but it was a cool environment to see something different and in that environment i i I embraced it so much uh because i hated where i was from i really did i spent almost I'm, I'm thinking to the major holidays. I know I spent most of them uh, at friends' houses. Either I woke up there or I went there in the, the day. And that's, that's Christmas, Thanksgiving. You know, the two major ones, most of them I didn't spend at home because there was, there was no way. I, I didn't enjoy my home environment. And, and my mom, to this day, can't understand why I was like that. But that's, you know... I don't, I don't blame my mom for anything anymore. I used to have a big issue uh, and I, I really worked on forgiveness and, and now I have a great relationship mm-hmm. with my mom, but, but people, one of the things you you realize when you're going through forgiveness about your parents is that they're doing the best they can. So she, she quite literally right. can't understand why I was like that. Mm-hmm. I distanced myself so much. I, I always played a sport and had a job. That's how I got into sports because I didn't want to go home. So I took a, I um, I played football and then what the heck was after football swimming. Uh, sports and then, made
0: me, I feel like, into who I am for sure. Oh, I played year-round sports in high school.
1: Absolutely, because because what it does, one of the cool things it does, is that it keeps you from doing other stuff.
0: <laughs> the, the exactly end. my kids will when i have kids like they're gonna be year-round sports period like you don't you don't get free time after school to do what with like no you're going to you're going to practice I, like I did that's where you're going that's where you're going to be
1: everything i did not only did i do sports i was all year-round football track and swimming i i had a job because yeah. i needed a job I, there was no way i could live without working we, we were poor as hell and i needed money uh And um, what the hell else did I do? Oh, uh, musicals. (laughs) I I didn't sing. I was part of the crew, so that was great. I go and and that was another way to cross
0: town. And you literally you jumped. I didn't even. Here is the crazy part.
1: I didn't even move across town. I still live where I live. I took a bus. I lived in a place called Northview Heights, and that was my project. And it was like the last neighborhood before you left the city limits on the north edge of the city. My high school was Shinley High School. That's also where Andy Warhol went. Uh, And it was all the way across town. I had to take two buses and cross the river. That's like the big deal in Pittsburgh when you cross the river, right? Um, So I crossed the river. I think I crossed two. I know I crossed one for sure. And that took about an hour to get to school and back. So I was traveling about an hour, about two hours a day. And, and that meant when I got out of school, went to practice, no matter what, I was getting home an hour later from whenever I started my hike. This is how, it, how it went. But that, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the cool things that happened is I ended up with some good friends and and whenever I went to their home, they always drove me home afterwards. And driving, it was like 15 minutes. Their parents drove me home. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Every now and then on Facebook, I'll just randomly message them and I go, you know, I thank you for, for like making sure I, <laughs> I didn't have to deal with a lot of stuff, man, because they, they really embraced me, uh, like I was their own. They didn't have, it was very different. I was more, I was very much like a, um, it's like a stray dog. Like the dog is, is not, it was like a stray dog that had like a halfway decent owner, not like a not like an owner to beat the shit out of him or something and turn him into a killer. But like one that like neglected him and like left him in like dark closets. And he had to warm up and, and they, they symbolize, <laughs> uh, in, in many ways. But I got exposed to a lot of cool things, you know? Um, I I never, one of my good friends, his family's, um, uh, I think they're conservative Jewish, not Orthodox. So I spent a lot of time uh, uh, learning about the about Judaism, and I can read Hebrew. and I had a job at a synagogue, and I'm trying to remember. uh, Went to like a seder, didn't even know what that was before I went to high school, and saw a Anabar mitzvah, and it it really was an, a thing that I got exposed to so much different stuff and that exposure. It was it wasn't a lot but it was enough. Um it was enough and, and I'm I'm grateful for that. So my life like it it, it seems if you're like telling a story linearly it's like this guy got out the hood when he was 14. Not a chance. I just spent all of my time away. I mean like all of it. The few times friends came up, one time a buddy came up, he got robbed. You know, that which which totally killed him ever coming back again. Uh, on the buzzes, little kid, man. and not even a little well, he was a little kid, I mean he was like fifteen at that point. So there there are there there's a lot in that that part of the the life, but I'm the biggest lesson, man, is just People can really people make it make a difference in my life. I'm I'm really grateful because I could have been real lonely there because I was I was the only one from that neighborhood, the only one from that side of town, the only one I had to travel that far. I could have been real lonely there and I didn't. I found some good friends and, and their families embraced me and it really made it a big difference in my life.
0: Well, yeah. Removing yourself from a situation and putting yourself in a brand new environment at any age. Having the strength to do that and conviction to do that is like, it makes a difference in your trajectory. It makes a difference in who you become. And and I think also like, yeah, you were 14 years old, but like, that's a lesson for anybody out there who's listening. Like, you know, it's like, we are the company we keep. And like, that's the age old phrase, right? It's age old adage, but it's like, it's the truth. Like you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. So like, take a look. your five people and then ask yourself, like, are these five people like adding value to my life? Are these five people, you know, moving in a direction that I want to go in as well? And like, are they holding me back or are they like linking arms with me and like understand my vision and where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to do? Um, But yeah, it's like really the power of who we surround ourselves with for sure.
1: Very much so. Um, To To the point where like, if you can't find good people around you, you better off with no one. You know, no is better than negative company.
0: I agree with that. And there's seven billion people in the world. So like there's no excuse <laughs> for it. You know, we have to develop that mindset. Like, there's no excuse. Being single was was one of the hardest periods of my life when I before I met my boyfriend now, but it was um and we met in person. <laughs> All right, on, congratulations. On I did it. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but just talking about identities, I want to get back to that because the thing is, like, you know. I was somebody, and I talked about this on my show here um, a couple times, so people who who listen know this about me, but not a lot of people out there know... I don't talk about it too much, but... um, it was a part of my life. Like I, for six and a half years, I worked at Hooters. Right. And I did like, I traveled all over the world. I was like on the cover of the magazine. I was in like Miss January in the calendar. I did the, like, I mean, I was like, it was my whole entire world. It was like, it wrapped up all encompassing at that point in my life, like everything that I was. And you know, when that job, like after six and a half years, when I no longer worked there, like I realized like how heavily I had drank the Kool-Aid. I realized like when I stepped beyond it, I was like, wow, I'm actually so much more than this. Like, and, and I'll never like regret those years of my life because they made me totally who I am. I'm so much more confident. I was, um, you know, actually I shouldn't say I'm more confident. I was always a confident kid. Like I always had that for some reason. Um, and so I, a lot of people in high school were not, particularly nice to me. I feel like because, <laughs> because I was confident and I didn't, I don't, I didn't get that at the time. Um, but you know, the confidence it, it, we don't, you know, a lot of kids don't have that in high school. And I think it was the sports and all of that. But, um, uh, what I'm getting at is that, you know, when I worked there, it really gave me the opportunity to be like, it's okay to be who I am. And I will forever yeah. be grateful for that. Um, and so that was six and a half years. But then when I came in out of, out of it and I had like I, I kind of fell into like a little bit of a depression for the first time in my life because it was my identity. It was who I was. It was ingrained in my DNA. And I was like, well, who am I without this? Who am I? without this thing that's become what I'm known for. Right. And so I wanted to talk specifically with you about identity because my gosh, like you're, you've had so many different identities and I think that's, that's so cool and powerful. And I think we all should be that way. It's like, here you are, you know, three-time author, um, Degree in physics. Hello, hi, science. Like okay, <laughs> um, professional boxer, um, repped by Jay Z and Rock Nation. Um, you know, grew up in the in the manner that you did, and like you're also still so young, and like there's so much more that you can become, and I'm inspired by that because you know it's like for me, it was like, okay, I had to figure out, I had to, to pivot. I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? How am I going to figure this out? And it took me some time. Um, but I did obviously, you know, I figured it out and, you know, I've been working at SoulCycle for some time now, but I, like, if you go on my Instagram now, you're not only going to see SoulCycle photos because that's not all I am. Like, if I were not to work at Soul Cycle tomorrow, like I would like to believe that the people who follow me follow me for something bigger, something greater. And it's the message I put out in the world and how i, 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 I try to inspire people. But SoulCycle is not it's not all of what Victoria Brown is, right? And so, you know, to go into like, you know, when you were boxing, and at a certain point, like there's a shelf life, right? to becoming a professional boxer or being a professional boxer, right? And so, at a certain point, you pivoted out of that. and and, um, I just want to talk about, for anybody listening, how to change identities, how to change forms and be okay with that and not be okay with it, but celebrate it. Sorry, those was super uh, long-winded.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay, man. I'm, I'm the, I'm the king of the long-winded answers, man. I, um, So, so I think about this, you're not the first person to ask this question in some form or the other. And and each time I think, and I, I add a little more to it, and I, I kind of get a, a more nuanced approach. What I believe is the best way to, you know, kind of go about changing identity, right? Is is really to think of yourself? Is uh, to form your identity based on internal desires, right? Not external uh, associations. For example, I was—I never looked at myself as, as a boxer or fighter. It was actually weird. I mean eventually one day I was like, okay, this is like what I do because it's easier to describe myself that way to people. But in general, I'm just challenging myself. Okay. So I'm challenging myself and fighting and it just and I'm gonna go as far as I can with it. And that's where we went. It's kind of the same idea behind my degree. There are a lot of easier things to study than physics. Like Depending on who you ask, I'm not just tooting my own here, you know, there's like research out there. It's probably one of the hardest things you can study, uh, pure, you know, physics. And and I and the the goal was to get something that would open up my life and create options. And this over this aligned with my interest and that goal. The most because if I just wanted to get a degree, you know, I could have went and got something, you know, remarkably simple. And if I wanted to get something challenging, like a pure challenge, I could have become a computer engineer or something. But I was like, okay, this is really uh, interesting to me and it is challenging. And that's what like my life is about. That's what I'm really interested in. I'm like, I, I enjoy reading. That's why I'm, I'm big in the chest. I'm challenging myself and trying to develop big into to foreign languages, I guess, right? Um, challenging myself, learning, seeing what I can do, seeing how I can develop, how can I push myself? Well, I, that's why I'm still, like today, you know, I, I started this workout regimen today, or added this workout regimen where I'm trying to see how much space I can cover in five minutes. And and so I had to go out to a, to a running trail because the treadmill makes that extraordinarily difficult since it's based on, Right. And so I'm trying to see, can I, can I get up to a mile in five minutes? That would be cool. Right. And and either way, just doing reps back and forth, challenge, 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 seeing what I can do. Don't let, don't let entropy win. Right. That's Mm -hmm. the game. When you see yourself that way, when you see yourself as a person doing a thing, when you build your identity based on a set of uh, internal metrics, then Everything around you serves that, and it becomes very difficult to make one of those things your identity because you never you, you, don't, you, you don't look at it as a, as a thing to attach your identity to. I'm not a writer, right? Writing helps me think clearly. Writing helps me um, build a following which allows me to do other things and live the lifestyle I want to live. But at the end of the day, it's still about learning for me, challenging, developing myself, and creating the option for the lifestyle I want. So um, that's what I, that's what I always try and do. Okay, and everything that you see me stumble into serves that mission. So none of those other things, uh, they aren't my identity. They never have been. Even when I was younger, I understood that. Uh, when I played football, that playing football is just leading me to. It's funny. I remember like thinking, like, what do I got to do to? How much money I got to put in the bank to make eighty thousand a year in interest? Like, and 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 that comes from me thinking the goal is freedom. How can I get myself free so I can study and do what I want to do and what's important to me and what's interesting? And and that is what it what it comes down to. So, uh, to summarize all that succinctly briefly TLDR uh, don't make your identity anything outside of you or don't make your identity based on anything external make it based on on your goals your interests your desires and then you'll see that all those external things that people usually make their identity that is just that just serves your purpose that just serves your goal
0: right I love that. Do not make your identity anything external. Right. Ah, uh, I love that so much. That's 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 a powerful word right there. It is cuz so many people they're like, you know, I'm successful when I achieve X or Y or Z. Like, no.
1: No, some, no, no, it's
0: such a backwards way of thinking. It's actually not the way to get there. Like it's not like the way to get to like happiness or feeling successful. It's like you reverse engineer your way into all of those things. And it's about like finding love for who you are right now in this moment and and your gifts. Each and every one of us have gifts. And, and, and I say gifts with an S because we have more than one. Oh, for,
1: for sure. That's a yeah. big one you don't have to be super good at something either. People think they need to be like this world-class world beater. Like, no, 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 no. There are generally speaking, right? If you want to like break down two ways, to like be an extraordinary person. Yeah. You can get an a in something like an a plus, uh, and set the curve and be like a top 3% performer in one thing and be like a D in everything else. That is a way that works. That's not particularly appealing to me uh, for lots of reasons, but that is a way there. The other way, you can be like a B-minus in everything or most things. There are still things you're going to suck at uh, and things you'll just naturally have a higher predilection towards. But for the majority of things, uh, you can be this B-minus person that's really interesting, kind of well-rounded and and a a great general and master a few skills. Like, like I really think everyone should be good at communication. And, And in the internet era where we're at today, it doesn't have to be writing. It used to have to be writing. But you should be able to take what's in your mind galvanize it, get it to point in the direction, get it to serve a purpose, entertain, inform, persuade, inspire, and then put that out there and make sure that it does that most of the time. You can't control for every human that's going to receive your message, but you should be able to, you know, do most of them. And that's important, but everything else after that, it's kind of a, in the air, you can become good at a lot of stuff. You can become yeah, good at Yeah, B minus
0: camp. is still passing. Like, let's go. It, not
1: only is it passing, it is above average. It's above average.
0: <laughs> Remember that. Yes, it's a hundred percent true. That's a hundred percent true. You know, it's like people that if you got to be minus, like to me in whatever you're doing, right? If you're just average, like you're good at it, right? You're not great. You're, you're just good at it. Like you, you're a courageous person. It means you have the courage to try because anybody, most people don't have the courage to try something new. So it's like, you know, I always say too. like, you know, of course I'm going to bring it back to a bicycle a lot of times here. Um, it's a pretty common thing, but you know, I say to people like we're, when we're on a heavy Hill and the resistance is really, really heavy and you're going, you're, you know, riding a bicycle uphill, like, you know, for in my, in my world, it's like on a stationary bike. Okay, fine. But like, let's, <laughs> You learned what that felt like on a real bike when you were seven years old, when you learned how to ride a bike, right? You learned what it felt like to try and climb a bicycle uphill. Now, a couple of things that happen, right? Because I'm somebody who likes analogies. So like, you know, it's like a couple of different things happen when you're riding your bicycle up a really steep hill, right? You all of a sudden, maybe you come out of the saddle and you got to like really put your upper body into it to get to get up that hill. And then what happens? Sometimes it's like so steep that you actually have to get off your bike and you got to walk your bike to the top of the hill so that you can get there. But like, the question is, like, did you still get to the top?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Or the answer is, you know, like, yes, you still made it to the top. So like, let's stop being so obsessed with how like somebody else did it. And like, let's just focus on the fact that it can be done in multiple different ways. And the result is still the same.
1: Yeah, I think, I think people once again man they the, there are some things right where the path matters some things it doesn't and and generally speaking if if um or rather the path is the is the outcome you know the the in that bike analogy I don't think and correct me if I'm incorrect cuz you're the biker there the goal isn't to just get to A location right That's cool And and it probably isn't Just to cover some Distance as quickly as Possible But when you do this Thing That you can control the Resistance and really challenge yourself You know no one needs to take a bike Anywhere anymore Then you can really use this to push yourself, you can make the res- you can up the resistance. You can, um, you know, do, do it. Do two workouts a day or something like that. Like you can really push yourself to where you start relying on your mind as opposed to your body, because your body is you know your body is going to do it, it, it's got a lot of potential, right? But it doesn't feel anything, right? Right. All the the all body all doesn't the anguish, mind. Yeah, all the anguish that you imagine. And I say imagine, yes, uh, that is in your head. You know, if you if you went full cycle with it and didn't feel anything, you would pedal until, until you you couldn't, you, you were exhausted. You completely depleted your energy systems. Uh, but that doesn't happen because up here. And so if we train, if we use these external things like the bike to train the mind to push through to push through difficulty, to push through adversity, all that good stuff. Then it's a lot easier to bike, and and then the activity takes on meaning beyond itself.
0: Man, you, you get it.
1: Oh man, fight <laughs> fighting will do that to you. Fighting and running. Yeah. I, I love running. Um, I love running, and I love I love fighting. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't like so love boxing fighting. Ring. Like, yeah. yeah, the boxing but,
0: ring taught you that.
1: But but, but but boxing teaches you a lot about about pain because there is nothing about boxing training or fight that is without pain. So your whole relationship with pain has to change. You, you have to stop you, you, you stop looking at it as a sign that something is wrong, even though that's still technically correct. And you start just uh, for lack of a better phrase, charging it to the game. That's just part of, that's the cost of doing business. Everything you block is still going to hurt. Are you going to stop because of the pain or are you going to stop because you can't continue? Okay, that's a big difference. I'll tell you this story right. that happened to me when I was an amateur. I, um, I got a blowout fracture in my right eye. I had to have surgery to fix it. Let me tell you how I discovered I had the fracture. Though We were sparring one day. It was a Monday. And I took a jab to the eye. I took a jab to the eye from Charles Martin. Charles Martin was he ended up becoming heavyweight champ for a little bit. It's so a big guy, good fighter. Took a jab. I said, ow, good jab that hurt. Kept going, kept popping out, finished out the rounds. I hurt like hell, finished out all the rounds because I'm like, oh, I'm just in pain, right? But that's not a big deal, it's just pain. Uh took a day off in between sparring, came back Wednesday sparred this other guy matt mahaney matt's not nearly as big or as powerful but these are still big men i mean like it's not well when i say not as big or as powerful i mean he's 6'3 like 225 not 65 260 that's what i mean right and and we're we're in a clinch you know moving, moving and he bumps me and hits that eye, and it hurts so much now because of the way i felt the pain and the intensity i've only stopped sparring two other times in my career that's like a big no-no I said, nope, I don't know what's wrong, but we need to go take care of this because the pain I experienced was from a different angle at a different level of intensity, and I sh- it shouldn't have hurt that much. They go, they give me the CT scan, like, hey, you got this fracture. We're going to give you surgery to fix this. Uh, that's, that's how that, that went down. But many people on that initial break, Cause it's not like I'm in a fight where I gotta keep going. No, I could I could have stopped at any time, but I I think I finished out four more rounds of sparring because I'm like, it's just, it's just some pain, man. Well, here we go. Probably got jabbed in it a few more times. Didn't even think anything of it.
0: It's temporary. That's it
1: totally <laughs> <let go. laughs> Yeah. That and and yeah. you know some people might go, oh, that's that's dangerous. You can hurt yourself. We gotta we gotta pay attention to the pain. I'm like, look, man. What I tell people all the time when they ask, when they used to ask me like about about fighting and. And if I was worried about getting hurt or getting CT or something like that, I would go, look, man, I'm going to die anyway. You're going to die. The difference is when I die on my deathbed, I'm going to have some cool ass stories. You're going to talk about how you were afraid to box. That's the difference. And so when you remember, <laughs> remember that. Uh, this or afraid pain to that try we, something,
0: whatever it was. Yeah,
1: this pain that we feel uh, is 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 kind of necessary i think i I think your life can't be enjoyable if you're not willing to hurt and and we can see that really simply when we look at working out what it takes to transform your body that's not a a painless process okay but when it comes to socializing making friends asking people out like we're talking about statistically you you you're gonna get rejected, man. Like like your life, if you don't, if you're not getting rejected, you're not trying hard enough at like whatever you are, whatever you're you're doing. Or you're accepting too I low an I say that too because I'm
0: like, I have, a, I I struggled, like I really really struggled when I was single. I was single for four years before I met my boyfriend, but it was like you know, and it was like failure after failure after failure after failure after failure, and it stung, and I was really hard on myself, but like. The truth is, like, it's a math game. It's statistics. And if you're only supposed to get married once, that means it's only going to work out 1%. Like, 99% of the time, you're going to fail. Like, that's that's math. Like, straight up. Do the math on it. So, like, I don't know. Like, to my single friends out there who are listening, like, you know, just, just definitely remember that. Like, you're going to fail 99% of the time. Like straight up. Yeah,
1: you know, and and, so, and maybe not that often, but but the, but the point that you make is that this is not a you, you don't get a bunch of them, and, and and you can only in you know enjoy one at a time, and you eventually will run out of time, and then there is the startup costs and all that. It's a risky endeavor, and then on top of that, you get with them, and all yeah. kinds of things can go wrong, and you feel like you wasted five, ten years. Oh, it's a risky yeah, endeavor. Yeah, yeah.
0: But mm-hmm. what else are you going to do?
1: <laughs> you know?
0: Right. S- t- it's better to have tried and failed than not try at all. Yes. As they say.
1: You figured out what I, I personally think is is this, you know, not I hate calling it a secret. That implies that only, that you got to, uh, well, well, no, I mean, like I guess it is kind of a secret, you know? Um, but the, the trick is, <laughs> is figuring out, not just what you're good at. There's the this great book Geeky Guy, and it talks about the the, the overlap. You know what you're good at, what people pay you to do, uh, what you're called to do, and like I can never remember the fourth one. Uh, what your temperament is for, something like that. And and the whole idea is that we're going to be our happiest, our most fulfilled, our most content. When what we do satisfies all forties, all four. You know, what am I gonna get paid to do? What do I like doing? What will the world pay me? This is a big one because I like doing a lot of shit. The world ain't gonna pay me to do, right? And and where's my where's my calling? Where am I naturally like like where do I feel like if I don't do this, I'm gonna burst, right? And if you can get right. that intersection, and I, and it's not just one thing. It's a lot of things, and but 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 the only way to discover it, you know, when people ask me, I don't know what to do. I don't have any hobbies. I'm like, well, when's the last time you tried something new? Take a risk. Great go question. waste some. Go waste some time because I guarantee you, wasting time anyway, right? Not having anything, so you got to go waste some time so you can stop wasting time in the future.
0: When's the last time you tried something new? That's the greatest question that that you can ask anyone who's like I feel stuck. I feel like I don't know where to go or what my next move is. And and like don't think about it too much. Like if the thing is like go try indoor rock climbing, like yeah. go do that. <laughs> like by the way, I love indoor rock climbing. I didn't know that until I went and tried it for the first time. And I was like fuck, I love this. Like, and I don't do it often, but I do know it's something that I love to do because it's something I randomly tried. You know, just try new shit. You never know where it's going to lead you to. Um, you. But anyways, I feel uh-huh. like I've taken up so much of your time today, but I will ask you one last question, um, which is what is, I ask everyone and close this episode, every episode out the same way is, what is one piece of advice you would give your former self or your younger self?
1: I, I would I would tell him to make sure he listens to Bibbab DeVoe uh, and and never trust the big button to smile man like that'll that'll ruin your life. just just be disciplined and <laughs> but because you know I love it the, the only I, I there aren't many times in my life where I where I have had normal experiences and when I say normal, people talk about like losing them getting losing emotional control or being depressed. Uh, or being angry like i don't even get angry like when i get angry uh i feel it for a day or two because my body's just not used to dealing with that dump of neurochemicals like i hurt. that that's one of the things that happened. uh being in control of all that and i have experienced all of those emotions uh because i i ended up with the wrong person and it was only for like four months thank goodness it really like when I, when I think about the length of time on my head, it feels longer, but it
0: wasn't. I've gone on like two dates (laughs) with people and it was like, it feels like it was a lifetime and it is something that emotionally affects me still to like to this day sometimes. So that's not weird.
1: And it it is life changing. It's one of the things where like, I think about, okay, so I'm real happy how everything has turned out in my life regardless. But but that's that's really that, and some of the way my life went from drinking um those two things i I would have preferred to here's what I'll say. I don't have regrets, uh, and I don't think anyone should have regrets, but you can ha- you can be in love with where you became because that's always the argument uh that though I love my life turned out no regrets. You can love how you got there, but hate the way you got there. like you can love that you're there. But you in love with the destination, but I hate the journey that took you there. And those two legs of the journey, if I could go back and not have traveled them, uh yeah, that'd be okay. But uh, but I understand that it's an, it's not possible, right? So those right. are my lessons. Don't trust the big right. one to smile, which is just me being funny, but the general idea is there, and then don't drink. That's what I tell myself.
0: Hey, I'm here for it. I love it. Um, and we didn't even get a chance to get into the, all the sobriety stuff, but um, I think biggest thing I'll say about that is just it it's better, you know, a lot of people use alcohol to to numb their emotions and it's better to feel them all highs, lows, and everything in between and, and actually I man, I it. talk about that in my book,
1: you know. So <laughs> if we ever talk right. again, there's so much cool stuff that we can talk I know. about. But, but here's what I always say, man. When two interesting people talk, they completely forget to focus on themselves. And that tends to happen, even on podcasts.
0: <laughs> even on podcasts. Well, Ed, you are just a joy to talk to. So thank you so much for being on today. I know so many people are going to be inspired by all of your messages and just your story and just who you are as a, as a person. So I can't wait to uh, see all that continues to evolve in your life as, uh, as, as life Goes on.
1: All right. Thank you very much. All
0: right. That is a wrap on Ed Lattimore. And I don't know if it's like a full wrap because, like, I feel like I need to have him back on for another episode. Um, for sure. One day, I want to dig deeper into so many other things that he does. Uh, but it was great to have him on the pod today. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, the conversation was super inspiring. And just know the biggest thing for me the biggest takeaway as i shared a little bit about my own personal story is that like we don't have to become so wrapped up in our in our identities right it's like you don't have to be so wrapped up in what you do and allowing what you do to be who you are right be who you are first, right? The things that make you tick, the characteristics that make you, you, right? Let's like dive into those things and lean into those things a little bit more and not hang our hat on what it is that we do for a living because that identity can be changed and you can be so many different things in this lifetime. Um, so just some food for thought, uh, Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you listening to these episodes, tuning in. And uh yeah. Being here week after week, month after month, and uh, it means a lot. So, thanks for being a part of the VB squad, you guys. I am Victoria Brown. Follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown. Follow us on the podcast handle at Very Best Self. You know the drill. Five star review, please, and thank you. And uh, if you uh, have an extra moment, you know, write something on there. Give us a little paragraph about what this you know, podcast means to you and how it's affected you. I love to read those. So thanks so much for that. Uh, All right, guys, have the best day and I will see you next week.